We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio teaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called Holy Spirit in Me, Our Relationship Unleashed. And today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called Understanding the Priority of the Holy Spirit in Our Lives. Now, you all in favor of fun in church? Can we laugh at ourselves occasionally? You all favor that? Okay, I got five stereotypes that I think we fall into in our perception of who the Holy Spirit is. Okay, five stereotypes. See if you have some of these in your own life. Stereotypes that lead to an awkward coexistence. Here's the first one. The Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Okay, now I grew up in an era where when I think of ghost, I think of spooky. And in addition to that, I think of like disembodied spirits of creepy. Now, why the King James chose Holy Ghost, I guess that was before Halloween was in play. But this idea of the Holy Ghost, okay, okay. Here's another one, stereotypes. Silent partner. Uh, The Holy Spirit is like this silent partner within the Trinity, and he's kind of like a, he's there, but he's not really there. But he's, I think he's there, but I'm not really sure. Is he there? You ever felt that way? It's a stereotype, the silent partner. I know he's in the Trinity, because clearly when we were baptized, you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I know what the Father does, I know what the Son does, but this, this role of the Spirit, is it, I don't really know. Is he, here's a third stereotype. This one maybe is the funniest of them. A pseudo-Santa. Pseudo-Santa, okay? The Holy Spirit comes like pseudo-Santa. He brings gifts. He brings gifts, which the kids fight over. But he's not like Santa because he doesn't eat cookies, and he doesn't come down the chimney, and he is real. Here's the fourth stereotype, the dove. Now, when I think of a dove... I don't know what you think of. I think of something harmless. I think, I mean, I know they're a feisty bird, actually. But I think of something harmless. I think of peace. We Usually it's a symbol for peace. But it doesn't really seem like something I would think of as powerful. I don't, are you the same place? Here's the last one. Stereotypes we have. A mystical force. A mystical force. I grew up in the Star Wars era with a name like Luke. (laughs) Everywhere I went, as soon as I introduced myself, my name is Luke. Oh, Luke, I am your father. (laughs) Okay? Now, what I heard less than that, but almost as much, playing baseball, doing things, you know, you go up to the plate, and what do people say? Luke, use the force. (laughs) Which means what? (laughs) Don't strike out? Sometimes we have this idea of the Holy Spirit as sort of like some sort of superpower that's in us that helps us do things like really cool things. But I'm not sure how this force works, and it's kind of impersonal. And see, that's a stereotype. That's a stereotype. And when I think about all these stereotypes and I see all these stereotypes in play, what it leads to is a sense of this Holy Spirit is kind of rather confusing. And what it leads to in the church is a sense of, not only is it confusing, but it's also potentially divisive, and, um, you know, maybe we should just move ahead and not really talk about it. 
He's there. We'll kind of know he's there as a silent partner, but I don't really want to get into that because we run the risk of, of division and more confusion, and um, let's, just, let's just leave that topic alone. And I'll tell you, if there's been one thing that's gone wrong in the church over the last 2,000 years, it's the absence of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And um, everybody who thinks that the Holy Spirit stopped acting in the book of Acts is basically telling the Holy Spirit to stay in the closet and never come out. Now, maybe we all wouldn't say it that way. I've read plenty of theological books that tell me all the things about the Holy Spirit, but I'm looking for more than things about the Holy Spirit. Revival comes not when we know about the Holy Spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit is cut loose and unleashed. And when the people of God begin to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and operate in the Spirit, that's when revival comes. And that's, that's what we're going for, not a sense of this awkward sort of... Listen, when I, th- when I think of all these awkward stereotypes and more I could go into, that's not what Jesus said to stay in Jerusalem for. Jesus didn't tell the disciples to stay put in Jerusalem because some awkward, confusing, divisive uh, element was about ready to come in the church. He said to stay in Jerusalem because the most powerful thing that had ever and would ever happen in the church was about to happen and to be cut loose. And that is where my heart is for our church to fully embrace what God has for us. And these stereotypes, preconceptions, awkwardness, think of here's four ways that we kind of feel those stereotypes. We think of the Holy Spirit as distant, as confusing, as passive, as impersonal. But nothing could be further from the truth. First, distant, how wrong is that? He says right here, the Holy Spirit will be in you. The Spirit is closer to you than your spouse is or the person sitting next to you. Or confusing. Well, that's because we can get clarity right from God's Word. Passive? Are you kidding me? The whole acts is the activity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is active in every way. And then impersonal. I think that's probably the most dangerous. Uh, clearly, God's Word And church doctrine teaches us that there's one God that exists in three persons, not two persons and a force. So what is this nature of the personal side of the Holy Spirit? Think about this. Throughout the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, we find the Spirit being what I would call strongly relational. The Spirit leads and directs. The Spirit chooses, Acts 13. The uh, the Spirit speaks numerous times. The Spirit was lied to in Acts chapter 5. The Spirit teaches. The Spirit helps. The Spirit comforts. Now, can we all agree? Those are personal things done by a personal individual. Do we agree? Well, here's the thing we need to do. We need to lose our preconceptions. We need to lose our stereotypes. We need to find what God's word says. We need to embrace the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. You must be fully engaged in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. I've seen a lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit. I've seen very little teaching on your relationship with him. I think most of us, when we think of relationship with the Trinity, we think of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We think of our relationship with the Father. I get that. I had a father, even if he was an imperfect father. 
as all fathers on earth are. I have a relationship. I get it. The relational to a father, to my savior. But this Holy Spirit relationship is the most vague. Thought C.S. Lewis wrote something very interesting on that. He said, do not be worried or surprised if you find it or him, the spirit, rather vaguer or more shadowy in your mind than the other two. I think there is a reason why that must be so. In the Christian life, you are not usually looking at him. He is always acting through you. If you think of the Father as something out there in front of you, and of the Spirit as someone standing at your side, helping you to pray, trying to turn you into another son, then you have to think of the third person as something inside you or behind you. I think that's part of the reason why we have a hard time focusing on the Holy Spirit. Sometimes things are so close that we can't see it. But that doesn't mean that we don't need to understand it. I want to give you a bit of a relational spectrum, if you can imagine this. A scripture talks about, I could give you a couple references. On the one end, what I would call a very negative relationship with the Holy Spirit. On this end, being a very positive relationship with the Holy Spirit. For example, in Isaiah 63, we're told of the people who resisted or rebelled against the Spirit. In Acts 5, those who lied to the Spirit. Uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, of those who grieved the Spirit. None of us, I should hope, would want to have a very negative relationship with the Spirit. That is a devastating thing to your walk with the Lord. Then on this end, there's a very positive relationship with the Holy Spirit, what I would call an active relationship with the Spirit, listening to the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, and so on and so forth of what we're going to basically be studying. But in between, in this space right here, again, is this awkward relationship. And I believe that probably the majority of us are somewhere in here. And my heart for us over this time in God's word is to move over here, as the apostles did, into an active, engaging relationship with the Spirit. And I believe that most people's challenges in walking in holiness, most people's uh, challenge in having effective ministry, most people's challenges in praying, a lot of that comes back to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. If you're listening to Meeting with God, you're clearly interested in God's Word. You know, one of the great joys of my life is seeing people grow together in God's Word on a weekly basis. And these messages are a part of our weekend services. If you don't have a church family, let me invite you to join us this weekend. Our church home is located in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. Details are available at verticalchurch.life. Then notice at the beginning of verse 8 says, but you will receive power. You will receive power. That is the Greek word dunamis, by which we get our word dynamite. Maybe some of us are wondering, well, I've read that, Pastor. I've read that a bunch of times. I know that there's power. But where does the power show up? Like how many of us know when in the physical world, we know when we see power show up, right? If your neighbor dynamites his deck you will know it. You will see it, okay? We see evidence of, dy of dynamic things happening. But sometimes in the spiritual world, it's like, well, I don't, I sort of see when it happens. I'm not really sure. Let me give you a few areas you'll see this. 
When you're walking in the Spirit and you have relationship with the Spirit and it's active, you'll be able to walk in the Spirit. We'll talk more about that. Life in Christ. There's something dynamic when someone who can't stand the name Jesus Christ and use it as a cuss word comes into relationship with Jesus Christ, finds forgiveness of sin, is indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and becomes the kind of person that is radically altered by the gospel. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. Or how about when a family comes back together, when they begin to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit? Or how about when somebody who's completely shy can't say, I can't get up and talk in front of two people. It makes me so nervous. And suddenly you hear them one day sharing the gospel with somebody as though they were Billy Graham. Like, how'd that happen? That's the Holy Spirit. There's so many areas I could mention. We'll talk more about these. Here's what I want you to understand with me. The ministry of the Spirit in the life of the church is not meant to be ho-hum. Ho-hum, I think the Spirit's here today. I hope the Spirit's here today. I think the Spirit's in me today. It was kind of like this week. I was at home on my day off and had quite a powerful experience. Um, Back a couple months ago, we had the privilege of hosting a squirrel in our attic. And um, I don't think anything has driven me more crazy than to have a squirrel that I could not get to in the corner of my attic. I went up there with a BB gun, couldn't get a good angle. I went up, I tried trapping, I put up a trap up there with some apple and peanut butter, and I tried that, that didn't work. Eventually we had to bring somebody in to get the thing out, and they got rid of it, patched it up. Well, over the last couple of months, I was... um, you know, I, I knew I needed to get that trap out of there. And Jensine was great. She just kept reminding me, you know, you need to go up there. There's some peanut butter and apple kind of rotting up there. You should just get that out. We should clean it up and put it away. That was one of those things that never gets above 18 on your list. And um, so finally this Wednesday, I decided I'm going to get it. Got the ladder, walked up through the hall, climbed up through the thing, and found my trap. Well, needless to say, there was something in the trap. But not wanting, you know, being kind of um, skittish about, you know, having put it off for so long and now having to know that there was something in there, not really wanting the family to be excited. I decided that I was going to just kind of, ah, you know, just pull the trap up and pull it down and deposit it in the trash. Well, as I went to do that, pulled this trap out, I just kind of ho-hum, just walked down, just not making a thing about it, you know, walked down. Jensine happened to walk up right as I was pulling down. And she, she just saw the trap, didn't assume, not, assume nothing was in there until it got low enough. And I think she saw the devil incarnate because you could hear her scream four miles away. And she let out this thing. I'm still convinced to this day that that crow came back to life and winked at her. I don't know what it was. It went from ho-hum to highly impactful in a short, short period of time, okay? Now, on the side note, I did learn, if you're ever trying to catch a crow, apples and peanut butter apparently work really well. Um, Here's the point. God does not want us thinking of the Holy Spirit in a way that's either ho-hum or, okay? Somewhere in between there, is a dynamic sense of the God of the universe working through his people to do things that cannot happen otherwise. And I'm telling you, I don't completely understand it even myself, but when Jesus says power is coming, um, when the God of the universe, second person in the Trinity says power is coming, I'm just going to vote power is coming. 
And that's what the church often is missing. Oh, why is our church seem so pedestrian? Why don't we see sin habits changing? Why don't we see the glory of Jesus Christ being spread in it? Why? Because there's no power. And too many of the church is just, you know, content like me to just be ho-hum. Listen, the disciples, having read the Old Testament, expected impact, not ho-hum. For them, the Spirit was not a New Testament phenomenon as it is for us. The disciples expected the repeat of the Old Testament, power at work. They expected to see what had happened in Jesus himself right in front of them, power. The only difference would be is what we call the democratization of the Spirit, which meant that instead of the Spirit only being on leaders and on special individuals, for the first time, God was going to pour out his Spirit on all of his people. That's awesome. You must grasp the intended impact of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And I don't have a ton of time to dig through all of that. We will be in the weeks to come. Here's the final thought I want to leave you with from verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And then it lists the areas, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. In the Old Testament, when the Spirit would come on someone, there was always a task in mind. It wasn't just this random, oh, the Spirit showed up. Huh, all right, now I'm in the Spirit. There was always a task given. There was always a leader doing something. There was always activity happening. And I want you to know, if we think of the Holy Spirit as just this like, force happening to us, but we don't get the grasp, the task implied, you're going to miss the value and the purpose behind the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came that they might be witnesses or give testimony to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And just as the disciples had a task, so do we. And I think the thing that I look forward to the most in the coming years is that the Holy Spirit would be working through us, that we would become emboldened witnesses to the ministry of Jesus Christ. And that's only going to happen through the Holy Spirit. God wants to use you as a dynamic witness by means of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're wondering, well, how am I going to be this witness, Luke? How am I going to do that? How am I going to become a witness? What is that going to look like? Well, think about this in three different ways. First, God's going to empower what I say. God's going to empower what you say. And when you have the opportunity and you're at uh, whatever your particular job is or where you're at school or wherever you're existing day in and day out, God's going to begin to empower and wants to empower what you say. We see that throughout the New Testament. He also wants to empower the works you do. Paul talks about miracles happening. I think some of us can hyper-glamorize that. Sometimes God just doing things of people praying and God provide something supernaturally for them they didn't expect, or uh, other miracles happening, praying, hearing people getting healed, okay? Sometimes the church wants to make the Holy Spirit all about this. That's not right, but the right thing is God does want to do things, powerful things that get the world's attention that say, wow, he is real. And the final thing that God wants to empower in our witness is our own personal testimony. I would ask you today, 
as you look back on the last week, how has the Spirit been working in your life? Is your life different? Do you talk different? Do you think different? If someone were to walk with you day in and day out and have a camera with them or uh, be recording you, what would they find? Would they find a person that's increasingly empowered by the Holy Spirit whose life reflects the joy of the Spirit, the peace of the Spirit, the endurance of the Spirit, or someone whose heart is cold? And I'm telling you, God wants to empower our witness. You know, somebody said, I think it was Francis Assisi, he said, you know, when you're witnessing, if necessary, use words. And God wants to use our words, God wants to use our prayers, God wants to use who we are in our own testimony. We've talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the presence of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the power of the Holy Spirit and then the purpose of the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want you to grasp out of this message. Most of us, when we think of the purpose of the Spirit to be witnesses, most of us grasp that. When we think of the power of the Holy Spirit enabling us to be witnesses, we pretty much grasp that. On the other end, the promise of the Holy Spirit we're pretty clear on, but that part in between, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I think most people are very unclear about and probably not very confident. But I want you to see this. Listen, listen. The witness of the Spirit depends on the power of the Spirit. And the power of the Spirit at work in our lives depends on our ability to relate with the Holy Spirit. But if we are not being led by the Spirit, directed, comforted, helped by the Spirit, those two will dry up. And I believe that many people are like, witness, got that. I can share my faith. I can give a track out. I can. But why is it seen that I don't have impact? And then many Christians get tired and feel like, well, I'm not seeming to get anywhere. Or many Christians are like, well, I don't seem to have much power in my life. I don't seem like, I don't see things happening and changing. And why do I keep, I can't seem to, like, why, why do I not seem to be growing in my faith? Why is there no power? Well, if you don't understand the relationship of the Spirit, if you're not following where He wants to go, if you're not listening to Him, I can't tell you how many times in Scripture it says, the Holy Spirit said, we need to learn to hear the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit speak? How, how did the Apostle Paul redirect his ministry based on when the, where the Holy Spirit was telling him to go? And if we're just randomly going out, well, I'm going to go over witness over here eh, without much power. Listen, God wants us to be filled with the Spirit, directed by the Spirit, in the place that the Spirit wants us so that his power can flow through our lives. What is my relationship meant to be with the Holy Spirit? How am I supposed to do this? Jesus seemed to understand it. The disciples seemed to get it. But why don't I understand that? And I believe that is key to understanding the ministry of the Spirit. I read a story. This was in the Associated Press. I can't believe this. Some guy, some guy in Chicago, filed a lawsuit against a tattoo parlor. And the reason he did this is that the tattoo parlor had misspelled a word on a dude's forearm. And uh, the guy said, I told, I told the parlor that I wanted tomorrow written on my forearm. And um, the tattoo parlor guy came back and said, listen, listen, listen. I had him write out on a sheet of paper what he wanted on his arm. And I did it exactly like he wrote it. 
So clearly somebody doesn't know how to spell. It's a lot worse when it's written on your forearm too, right? Sometimes I think we get frustrated because we're like, why am I trying to live as a Christian, but I see so little impact? Why am I trying to do this? Listen, listen, sometimes it comes back to our misunderstanding of how to relate to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're misspelling our relationship with Him. We're getting frustrated, but really we need to go back to Scripture and understand, how am I supposed to relate to the Holy Spirit? I want you to just begin to pray wherever you've come. Maybe your background is really not talking much about the Holy Spirit at all. You're a newer believer and you don't even hardly know anything about the Holy Spirit. Or you come from a a place where you've had a lot of experiences with the Holy Spirit, but some of them were a little questionable at times. Um, Let's begin to take our experience to Scripture, leave our experience at Scripture, and begin to engage Scripture as our model. Instead of getting frustrated, God is calling us to study and to know so that we can be empowered and live in the power of the Spirit. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. Vertical Church exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the spirit of the Great Commandment by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus and currently do not have a church home, we would love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship services meet at our church home at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Our church family is warm, loving, and would be so happy to meet you. If you currently do not have a place to worship this weekend, would you join us? As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.